All right, welcome everyone. The room is filling in. Welcome to a special edition of Deal Talk with Alex Carter. Today's session is going to be fantastic. Joining me is my co-host Jan here at the top. All right, we are over 10. Welcome, distinguished guests, and especially Alice Carter. Today is going to be a very special conversation on how to ask for more 10 questions to negotiate anything with Alex Carter. That is the name of her wonderful book, which is a Wall Street Journal bestseller, which is incredibly exciting. If this is the first time you and I have met, my name is Shane. I'm a certified negotiator at Harvard and Yale. And on LinkedIn, I talk about AI and negotiation. So if those topics are interesting to you, you're in the right place. I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn if we haven't already. And I look forward to meeting you. And also, last but not least, before we get to the how the show is going to run and I introduce Alex, our goal today is simply that we want to help you improve your negotiation skills. And Alex has done that for quite some time now with all kinds of different people, companies, etc. And so we want to help you improve your negotiation skills because when you do, we believe that you those you love in your community can be changed in a positive way. So today's conversation is going to be about 45 minutes. You're going to have the opportunity to ask questions in three things before I introduce Alex. The first thing is open a new browser and type in nego.chat. If this is your first time, it's a tool that you can ask questions to us live in the moment. And we'll also be sharing resources with you throughout the show as well. So open a new browser, type in NEGO.chat, like Lego, uh, with an N, you know, those pesky things you trip over in the middle of the night. Lego with an N, NEGO.chat, and we'll get your questions answered there live. JN is monitoring that, so thank you, JN. And then also follow Alex, follow me and follow JN because you're going to be entered to win Alex's Ask for More e-learning course. You'll be given a free license and a free copy of her book, which is excellent. And so I would like to introduce to you today's guest. Alex Carter is a professor of law and director of the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, which is a great law school. And in 2019, Alex was awarded the Columbia University Presidential Award for Outstanding Teaching. So she has a lot to teach us today. That is for sure. Her first book, which I mentioned, is called Ask for War, and it was published in 2020. It became an instant Wall Street Journal bestseller. If you just joined us, Alex wrote a Wall Street Best Journal or a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So it's fantastic to have her here today. And today's conversation is going to be broken down into three sections. First, why you should negotiate, second, what you should negotiate, and how you can, and then lastly, how you can negotiate. So Alex, before we dive into the questions, we like to start, we have a tradition here at Deal Talk, we like to start with one actionable tip. Uh, what is one powerful actionable tip that you would like to share with the audience to improve their negotiation skills? Yeah, thank you both for inviting me here today. So, the number one actionable tip I have, and it's one of the reasons I wrote a book, is that there is one single underutilized superpower in negotiation. And people who master this superpower not only make more money at the table, but they also build better relationships. And many of us are in relationship-based businesses, aren't we, right? Where the relationship creates the deal. 
And that single underutilized superpower is asking excellent questions. When you go into a negotiation, you want to lead with questions and not just any, but the kind I write about in Ask for More, open-ended questions that I've now seen work for thousands and thousands of people to create the best deals possible and set them on a court for a better future. It's so good. So beyond uh, setting yourself up for a better future or building relationships, why is asking excellent questions so important? The questions we ask shape our entire reality. And, you know, a lot of people around the world, whether I'm teaching at the UN or at Fortune 100 companies, will ask me, you know, Alex, who are the expert negotiators? Who are the best? How do you know them? And the way I can tell an expert negotiator when I walk in the room is the person who asks the question that breaks the whole thing open. When you ask the right question, you understand so much more about yourself, about the other person, about the situation, maybe even a question that transforms an industry or the world. So when you ask the right question, you open up an entire world for your view. And that is what's going to help you not just make better deals, but I'll be honest, live a more satisfying life. This is something you can do with folks at home, your closest family and friends, just the same way you can do it in a business context. All right. Well, I'm throwing out my whole script of questions that I was going to ask you today. Uh, <laughs> Great. Because there are these moments in these difficult conversations where a question needs to be asked, but maybe we feel scared or, or fearful. Can you share a, a specific example of or a story maybe of you or someone that you've coached, uh, because I know you've coached many folks, where maybe they were scared to negotiate, but they did. And, and what was the result? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you about a guy that I worked with uh, a couple years ago during the pandemic. This is somebody, I wonder how many of you have had this situation. You've been at a company a long time. You think of folks as your friends. You might even be pre-existing friends with your boss. And that was this guy's situation. And he said to me, you know, Alex, I, I feel resentful because I know I'm undervalued, but I can't negotiate because if I do, I'm going to ruin these great friendships with people. And the reason people like me is that I'm an affable guy. And I said, okay, let's unpack this a little bit. So what we figured out, uh, Shane and JN, is that this guy over a period of time was running a business and it grew to be by far the largest segment of business for this company. And yet his salary had basically stayed the same. And so we went in, right? I say we, cause I feel like I'm, I'm part of the team. So we designed a couple of great questions for him to go in and talk to the CEO, right? And he started by asking some open-ended questions about the company, the CEO's goals, and then asking, right, the CEO's views on his performance the last few years. And the CEO teed it right up on a silver platter. You know, I'll make up a name. Um, Jess, you've been incredible. I've noticed that your, you know, your portfolio has grown by three times. I think you're now running the largest group at the company. Bingo. He was served up on a silver platter. Do you know he negotiated not only 
did he get every dollar he asked for. But the CEO called him a month later and said, you know, Jeff, I just want to say I'm really impressed with how you handled that. And I want you to know that at some point I'm going to be stepping down and I have you in mind as one of the people who could replace me. So think about it. Sometimes when you negotiate, the only obstacle is what's in your head. And not only are you going to be able to get what you're looking for, but people are going to think better of you in the process. When you negotiate for yourself, you are showing the company how valuable you are to them, how you're going to negotiate for them. And so it's in their benefit to have somebody who knows how to go in and tactfully, collaboratively ask for more. And the key word there, it seems like, is collaboratively. And what if your negotiations weren't a battle or a fight? What if they were a dance? What if they were a conversation? Wouldn't that take the pressure off? Wouldn't that uh, make things a little bit easier for you? And in your book and also in your talks, you talk about uh, this concept of the mirror. Can you explain the the mirror and how someone can practically use it right after this call in a conversation they're going to have? Yeah, Shane. Well, it's interesting uh, because I learned what negotiation was on my honeymoon. Um, and, and not just because I married another litigator, although that always makes things interesting, but because picture this, everybody on the call, I'm in Hawaii and my new husband and I are in a kayak together. And our guide up ahead, we're on the river and he turns back to us and says, all right, folks, um, let's negotiate these things to the left, if you don't mind, because we're going to hit that beach up ahead. And in that moment, you know, my brain went somewhere else because I thought, oh my gosh, I have never heard somebody use the word negotiate like that before. And that's right. If I'm negotiating my kayak toward a beach, what am I doing? I'm steering. And what if negotiation was not just about money, not just about the performance review, not just about Shane and I hammering out a contract together? What if it was simply the process of steering my relationships and I could steer them in every conversation I had? So that's what I now teach. Negotiation is not haggling to get to an agreement. It's simply the process of steering. Every conversation, you can steer that relationship. And so what Shane was talking about, the mirror, you know, a lot of people don't know where negotiation starts. They think it starts from the moment that you know, I'm looking down here at the list, maybe Miriam and I or Gia and I or Amitai and I sit down together and hammer something out. That's not where it starts. It starts at home with me first. That's the mirror. If negotiation is steering relationships, what's the most important relationship of your life? It's the one you have with yourself. And what I found through research and practice is people who ask themselves questions first before they get in to negotiate with somebody else and ask really good questions are the people then that are most prepared to get everything they can out of that negotiation. So it starts with the mirror, you asking yourself questions first. Yeah, it's so good. So just to summarize, in case a few folks have joined, I know the room has uh, been growing. Uh, so just a quick room refresh. Alex Carter is uh, speaking to us about how to negotiate more effectively. Uh, specifically, she shared about how you can uh, negotiate with yourself 
and by using a mirror, and we're going to dive into that, but also the importance of why you should negotiate and what the data says. And and uh, she also shared a story of how she learned to negotiate on her honeymoon, which is a, a funny place to learn how to negotiate, but very applicable as well, especially when you're negotiating with loved ones. Those sometimes uh, might be the most difficult uh, negotiations. And so want to dive deeper into the mirror of what you said, because I think that you're right. A lot of people, sometimes myself included, will skip the conversation that we need to have to ourselves before we engage the other party. So you said that there's a question that we should be asking ourselves. And I know you've talked about uh, some questions you can ask yourself, like, uh, what do I need from this conversation? What what might they need from this conversation? But beyond those two, what are what else should the the audience ask before they negotiate with themselves? Yeah, Shane, I'd, I'd love to give you two questions that I think could be applicable to this audience. So the first question, guys, this is chapter one in Ask for More. This is where I start every negotiation with myself is asking myself, what's the problem I want to solve? You know, you think even for a regular job negotiation, let's say that somebody, Cheryl, for example, who's listening here today, Cheryl's going in to ask for a raise. Asking herself, what's the problem I want to solve is not just going to help her shape what she asks for, but how she asks for it. So for example, Cheryl and I think, well, you know, I need more money, right? Because my kids are going to be going to college in a few years. That could be the case. But Cheryl could also be saying to herself, you know, I want to go in and negotiate for more money because I want to show the company that I'm a leader, that I'm growing, and I want to set myself up for that next promotion. So in that latter case, by fleshing all of that out, Cheryl's actually expanded what she's going to ask for because she's not just going in to ask for the raise that she deserves, but she's also going in to say, I really see a future for myself here. I've contributed a lot. I know there's more I can do. And so I'd like to talk together about the compensation that matches what I've brought to the company. And then I'd like to talk together about the future pathway to promotion. So you should always start, always, by thinking about what is the problem that I'm looking to solve in this negotiation. And in Ask for More, I walk you through some steps for how to do that. It's like a coaching session is how I wrote that chapter. The second and last question I'd like to point people to, a question that if you're just joining, you should ask yourself before you negotiate with anybody else is this. And this is a question that is especially useful if you're nervous or anxious, big, tough negotiation, but it can be used for any situation. And it's asking yourself, how have I successfully handled this before or something like this? How have I negotiated this successfully in the past? You know what I found, uh, Shane, is that people often forget. They're so intimidated by what they have to go in to do that they forget that they have done something like this before. So I remember counseling somebody who was going in to ask for a promotion and raise. And he said to me, Alex, I just, I can't, I clam up every time I try to do this. And I said to him, okay, talk to me about a time when you successfully advocated for yourself before. And he ended up remembering that to get the job in the first place, he had put together an incredible presentation. And I said, okay, fantastic. We're going to go back to that. We're going to dissect how you did it. 
And then we're going to apply that same blueprint to you asking for your own raise and promotion. So data from Columbia Business School proves that if you go into a negotiation, having thought about and written down a time when you negotiated successfully, you are no longer going into that next negotiation as regular Michael, right? I'm seeing Michael here in the crowd. You're going in as super Michael, the person who previously kicked butt in that negotiation, and now he has a blueprint for a way that he can go in and do it again. Last thing I'm going to say, Shane, is sometimes I get people who say to me, Alex, you know, that sounds great, but guess what? I've got you. I've never done something like this before. I had a woman like that. I was speaking to her as part of a large group. She was about to go in and become a manager for the first time. She was really nervous. And she said, I've never managed anybody before, Alex, so I have no prior success. And I said, okay, fine. Challenge accepted. Tell me the thing you're proudest of in life. I don't care where it's from. Tell me your proudest accomplishment. And she thought about it for a second and she said, well, my husband died and I raised two children on my own. And I looked at her and I said, well, that sounds like a team leader to me. So let's talk about how you did that. How did you marshal your resources? How did you manage to get up with the consistency, the dedication through an incredibly difficult time and manage your family through one of the toughest experiences anybody can have. And I promise you that when we look at that, we're going to find strategies you can use to lead your team at work. So if you don't have a prior success in that area, I want you to think about the thing that you've done in life that you are most proud of. And I promise you, when you look at that, you're going to find things you can use wherever you are going next. Yes, this is this is so true. And the two questions uh, that Alex highlighted was first ask your question, ask the question, what's the problem I want to solve? And then the second question was, how have I negotiated this successfully in the past? I love that second one so much, Alex, because yes, you're right. There have been successes that each and every one of us have had on this call, whether it be negotiation or maybe even something not even work related. And uh, this this tactic, it's kind of like a brain game in a way. You're kind of maybe not tricking yourself, but you're negotiating for yourself before the actual negotiation, which is where the gold is and which is so important. And uh, this is this tactic that you're sharing of uh, how have I done this successfully in the past? It reminds me of uh, the methodology or it's kind of silly, but it's called the cookie jar effect. And I learned this running ultra marathons where on mile 60, mile 70, you can't feel your legs. And the only thing that you can do is just remind yourself of something that you've already done successfully in the past. And it gives you a little bit of, even if it's a faint drip of hope to ultimately get what you want. And that's the really neat thing about negotiation is that things can change really quickly, really fastly if you ask yourselves these questions. What's the problem I want to solve? How have I done this in the past successfully? And so are there maybe one or two other questions? Shane, uh, before you go there, please remind, I would like to remind everybody uh, to go on nego.chat because there are two freebies given by Alex. Uh, seven days to ask for more and ask for more 10 questions to ask anything. So the links are there and you have freebies for each and you can ask questions that we will weave in into the discussion. 
Yes, yeah, so good. Thanks, Jane. So there are two freebies. If you open a new browser, anygeo.chat, and then also we'll take your questions uh, from there as well. Uh, and if you just joined us, uh, Alex Carter is talking to us about how to improve your negotiations. Uh, we've talked about why we should negotiate. Now we're going to talk about what you can negotiate. And so Alex, next question is, sometimes negotiating for the folks listening can feel daunting or uh, even a bit scary. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is maybe feeling intimidated uh, by a boss who's really assertive or maybe even uh, rude in some cases? Like, how? What advice would you give them to figure out what they should be negotiating for and, and how should they approach that hard conversation? Yeah, and, and this is where the mirror is so important, uh, Shane, because a lot of times the first hurdle is in our head, right? So we're thinking about the kind of reception we might get. We might not even know that the other person is going to receive us a certain way, but we're imagining that folks could look at us and say, you know, how dare you? Or, you know, how could you be think you you worth you are worth that? You know, and I I want to tell the audience a little bit about myself and where the book title Ask for More came from. And here's what I want you to know. A lot of times people will look at my CV and they think to themselves, that woman came out of the womb asking for more, right? Okay. She just fearlessly went out and got whatever she needed all the time, okay? And I'm sure to tell you that that was partially true, but it was only true when I negotiated for other people. Is anyone here like that? You know, if your family, your friends, your colleagues, your clients, if they need something, you will fearlessly, like the junkyard dog, go out and get it for them. But when it comes to yourself, you hesitate. You think, you know, Am I really going to be collaborative? Am I really going to get what I'm asking for? Am I worth it? So the first time I ever negotiated for my own salary, I got a good offer and I had a crisis inside because I thought, well, this is good enough. Should I take it? But then I got the advice that changed my life. I told them, I'll run my numbers. Let me come back to you. I called a senior woman in my field. And I said, can you give me some advice? I got this great offer. And she said, yeah, Alex, here's my advice. You're going to get back in there and ask for more. And here's why. When you teach someone how to value you, you are teaching him how to value all of us, meaning all women. And so if you're not going to go in there and do it for yourself, I want you to do it for the woman who's coming after you. Do it for the sisterhood. And so... I recognize that this story might be particular to the women who are on the call today, but I want you to know that when you negotiate, you benefit everybody. Let me say that again. When you negotiate, you benefit everybody. Certainly you benefit yourself, but guess what? Even if you're not a woman, maybe you are a person of color. Maybe you are the first person there from a particular background, a particular country, or maybe you're just somebody who's coming in and now because you negotiated, the next person is going to be able to do the same. The people under you are going to benefit. So always negotiate. It benefits other people. Do you know it benefits your employer too? How many of you have undersold yourselves? Okay. Nobody has to raise their hand. We're on LinkedIn. I can't see anybody. Okay. But if you've undersold yourself, 
How do you feel afterward? How do you show up to that engagement or that job? I got to tell you, I've done it. And I felt annoyed with myself and resentful. I didn't feel like bringing my 110% to work. So these days, when I think about pricing, I'm thinking about what is the amount that's going to make me not just okay, but thrilled to show up and give that company or that client 110% of what I know I can do. Negotiation teaches people how to value you. People value what they pay for. It benefits everybody when you negotiate. And if the other person has a reaction or says no, no is not about you. Okay. No could be they don't have the right information. No could be you've asked the wrong person. No could be the timing is off. And so Shane, I want to give people one last tip on that point. If you negotiate and somebody says no, I want you to flip to chapter seven and ask for more. And you're going to ask the four word question that I call my no buster. Okay. Shane says to me, Alex, we can't do the deal at that level. And instead of saying, okay, Shane, goodbye, or saying why, you don't want to ask why, because social work research teaches us that why puts people on the defensive. It makes them give you a because. Instead of that, you're going to ask, what are your concerns? Oh, I'm sorry, Noemi, we can't promote you this year. What are your concerns? David, you know, we don't like that clause in the contract. What are your concerns? That four-word question is the one that I have taught people over the entire world. It busts through the no because it teaches you what are the holdups to the deal. So if you get somebody who is super competitive, they give you a no, they're not buying it initially, try that question from chapter seven and let me know how it goes. Oftentimes you're gonna find you can turn that no to yes in a way where they're gonna be grateful to you that you asked the question. Yeah, it, it's so it's so interesting. And, and Jay and made a good point in the chat. Uh, and also Gary, I see that your hand's raised. If you wanna ask a question, open a browser, type in anygeo.chat and we'll answer the questions as many as we can. There are some great questions that have been coming in from Roxanne, uh, Denny's, uh, and we'll, we'll ask those uh, shortly. But um, let's do a quick poll, Alex. You, I know you said we're not on Zoom, and that's okay. There, there's pros and cons to audio rooms. Uh, one of the, the pros is that we can still uh, use the React button. So you said if you've ever undersold yourself. I want everyone just for a moment to move their mouse over that React button and put a thumbs up if you've ever undersold yourself. If you've ever undersold yourself, yeah, so I, I feel like, yeah, there's all kinds of thumbs going up. I, I feel like so crucial. And so chapter seven of Alex's Alex's book touches on that, and we'll share that in the chat. That way you can get a copy if you don't already have have that. Uh, and I love that the definition of negotiation, I never heard anyone say that, Alex. You're really good at this, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Shane. It, it, it teaches, it, negotiation teaches you how to value yourself and others. I think that's really powerful. And, you know, you talk about the dynamics of women and men in negotiation as it relates. And one thing that I've learned um, by dating Rachel, my girlfriend, is that she just has a massive amount of respect for herself. She's so kind to herself. She speaks life over herself. And this is something I noticed But when we were just friends immediately. And then I noticed even deeper that actually guy or girl were respecting her in return. But it started that she was respecting herself first. And I, I know that there are people out there right now listening 
who might be struggling to maybe see the value in themselves or respect themselves. Can you speak to that, if at all? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, Shane, and thank you for sharing, you know, a little bit about, um, you know, your personal life. I, you know, just to to get a bit personal myself, I made a deliberate decision in Ask for More, even though I was writing a business book, to include personal stories. In fact, if you have the book in chapter three, you're going to read one of the most personal stories I've ever told um, about a negotiation with a family member um, because my dad was dying of a terminal disease, right? There's lots of stuff out there that happens, you know, as we're human beings, we love, we lose. And I found, you know, you said before, sometimes the personal negotiations are the toughest. They absolutely are. But that is a great place to really work on your negotiation skills. Because I've got to tell you, oftentimes the quality of your life rises or falls to the level of your personal relationships and how you're able to communicate with people there. You know, a lot of the reason that I'm able to do what I do in the workplace is that I've negotiated with my husband for space in the home to be able to do my work for the kind of support I need so that I can really focus on my career. I negotiate with my daughter all the time. Just today, she asked for an expensive face wash. And I said, okay, make me a proposal as to, you know what I value. I value summer reading, work on Duolingo, and make me a proposal as to how you're going to earn, right, this particular face wash, and then we can discuss it afterward. So I really think that the more we think about negotiation as a whole life endeavor, right? This is steering relationships. And any relationship we have in our life is something where we can use these skills to make our lives better. The more we're sharpening those skills for the workplace, and we're going to be able to do it to, you know, also make more money. That's a really, really good point. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, and so it's time to switch to some of the questions in the chat, because we've been having a lot of those. Um, and we have a question from somebody called Maël Humbert, who says, how is or what are the soft skills that are the most important for effective negotiation? Okay, super interesting. What are the most effective soft skills for negotiation? You know, I, I have a particular point of view on the phrase soft skills. And just to show my cards here, I think that women get asked this question more than men. Uh, and there's something about being a woman out in this field. I am not at all person who asked this question. I'm glad you asked it, okay? So um, thank you for asking it, and I ascribe no ill intent. I want to unpack soft skills because there's nothing soft about helping people make a hell of a lot more money, okay? So that's number one, all right? But secondly, these are, you know, I think folks separated out into, well, there's like relational skills, and then there's hardcore negotiation skills, right? Calculating your BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement, or how can you make a good decision tree? How do you get into a negotiation and construct the right kind of bracket for bargaining, okay? And here's what I'm going to say. You will never even get there unless you do the relational work first. The relationship creates the deal and not the other way around. So... Now that I've given you my soapbox on soft skills, there's there's no soft or hard skills. It's all competencies that are going to help you, okay? But let me give you one of my favorites, okay? And it's for virtual. You know, and here we are. We're on a virtual platform. So here's what I like to do. 
I like to treat everything as information. What's in somebody's background, right? If they're on Zoom, um, what are the kinds of words they use or the things they talk about outside of work? I, I always say there's no such thing as small talk. It's only, right, laying the foundation for a great relationship. So for me, what I found is the way I'm going to make the most money, okay, that might be classified under the term that I hate, soft skills, is listening and paying attention. I start not by saying, hi, I'm Alex Carter. Here's the suite of services I offer and which of the packages I offer would you like to pick? No, that is totally selfish. That is focused on me. Instead, I'd like to know, right? Let's look down the list. Maybe um, Tracy is my potential client. And I say, Tracy, tell me about your company. Tell me about yourself. You know, what are your biggest needs right now? Tracy, what's keeping you up at night? You know, Tracy, if we were to work together and it was a like an outstanding success, what would that look like a year from now in your business? I want to be genuinely curious and get to know her. And this doesn't have to just be transactional. I got to tell you guys, I have a lot of speaking clients all over the world. And it's not transactional for me. I do business with people I genuinely like. I know when their kids are going to college. I know if they have an IVF cycle coming up. I know if they're thinking about switching jobs because they often will confide in me about that. There's nothing artificial about it. It's about being curious and forming genuine relationships, asking questions first, listening, paying attention. If you do that, I got to tell you, you're going to have a hell of a Rolodex that you can build from to construct an incredible career. And it's going to be one that's rich and fulfilling because you'll like who you're working with. Absolutely. And we spend so many time, we spend so much time uh, with the people who we work with. And uh, like we were talking about today, those negotiations are, are so critical. Um, let's let's uh, go back into the Q&A. Uh, there's a, a new question from Georgia, and it's so great to see everyone. If you've just joined us, uh, quick room refresh. Alex Carter is answering questions live from the audience at NEGO.chat. You can ask your question there too. Uh, we've got already six or seven questions. And uh, also Miriam says, Alex, you have an amazing, powerful voice. Uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, I agree, I said. Uh, okay, I Shane, can I can I say a word quickly about that? Yeah, Do you sure. know that in my younger years, I got a lot of criticism over my voice? I was told that it was too deep, that it was too loud, that it was too big for my body type. Yes, I was told that by a guy early on in my career. So sometimes the thing that sets you apart and people like, you know, crack on is actually what makes you powerful. And also that my colleague Anne-Marie and I teach about executive presence. That has been the biggest area of growth for our business this year. A lot of companies want it because they recognize, Shane, that part of negotiation is how you present yourself. And in the first 30 seconds of that conversation, having the kind of presence that makes people sit up and want to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, for, for context too, uh, Anne-Marie is amazing and she works with Alex and y'all are doing incredible job building the business. Um, I know that you're both too humble to share, but it's fantastic based on what Anne-Marie told us as we we're preparing for the show. And so kudos to y'all. And I hope that it continues to grow too, because these skills are, 
are so important. But my, a quick question, I actually thought about this last week when I was thinking about our conversation today. And you, uh, the last several years, have worked really hard and diligently building a brand. A lot of people want to build a brand and it's really it's really difficult to put out content consistently. And also a part of that too, there's criticism that comes with it. And you mentioned uh, the person who, um, you know, mocked you or was rude to you. Um, how do you negotiate with yourself uh, the criticism that you get online? Oh, uh, that's really interesting. You know, and and here's where I I feel like I... I um... I often tell stories about my litigator husband and what it's like to have two lawyers, you know, living together in partnership and and in the home. But he taught me a saying that I use all the time. And, and what he taught me is that success sometimes means pissing all the right people off. Right. So excuse my language, but truly, you know, sometimes if I'm getting some heat, it means I've touched on something important. Right. I've started a conversation. I just had a reel on Instagram go totally viral. It's something like seven million people and counting. Khloe Kardashian just commented on it. And um, it's a beautiful reel about sisterhood. But some people are in the comments debating the merits of various religions because it shows people of different religions coming together to support one another. And it's interesting. I actually thought that's great. I've started a conversation. So if that person is someone I know and they're important to me, then I take that feedback on. If this is somebody that I wouldn't ask for advice and I don't know, well, then their criticism doesn't mean very much to me, right? And if I get some criticism, it means I'm making an impact. Yeah, it's that quote that says, if you if you stand for nothing, you can fall for anything and you're standing for something. And, and even if someone disagrees uh, with what you say or agrees with it, it's all about just having a conversation. Again, that's what today's about, is about negotiating, is about building relationships. And yeah, I, I just know that that can be uh, mentally tough sometimes, especially um, if you're a words of affirmation person where words build you up like me, they can mm. really be crushing too. So I know Jayan has a the next question. Yes, so actually it's several questions into one because I think a lot of people weaved in around the same topic uh, which is a lot of people are avoiding negotiating their their first offer and they just accept it and they hope, you know, that six months later they're going to have like a positive evaluation and a raise. But the problem is it doesn't happen. Um, there is also somebody who says, um, how can you handle the promotion pay raise conversation where the decision maker says they want to revisit after you finish another big project and then they just say no once the project is over because you don't have any leverage at this point. So how can people navigate concretely a situation like this one? Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, JN. You described a couple of situations. You know, um, I'm just coming now from a webinar I did with CNBC and Politico on folks who are negotiating their first salary. And I want you to know that even if you have no experience, you have leverage to negotiate. And you may not have, like, you know, full-time job experience, but you may have done things at college or in your community that really have value. It's about telling your story. And also, if you're younger, you've just graduated from college, congratulations. You know, your your education is a lot fresher than mine, right? Or JN's or Shane's, right? You've got maybe technical skills that other people don't have. Always start from what you have and negotiate every time, including the first time. Now, if you haven't done that the first time, 
If the best time to negotiate is yesterday, then the second best time is today, all right? So no worries, pick yourself up and you're gonna negotiate now. Here's what I would say. When you're looking to get a raise or a promotion, once you're inside the company, that is a political campaign, okay? That is a political campaign that you run year round. What does that mean? It means make your wins visible. So I'm at Columbia Law School. If, you know, I've just done something, I've written an article, I have achieved something with my students, you better believe I'm forwarding that with a note to my dean, right? I'm not going to wait till the end of the year. I'm going to send it to her and I'm going to say, dear Jillian, wanted to let you know about this incredible result we just had in one of our cases. Um, here's the great feedback we received. Thank you, as always, for your support of me and our program, right? If you are talking to your boss and thanking them for their support in the process of claiming your wins, people love that, okay? So make those wins visible. Second, gather your allies and advocates. You don't wanna be the only person speaking to your manager about how great you are. You know, if my boss is Cheryl, right? I wanna make sure I'm talking to Sergio, Vladimir, Jessica, Gia, right? And having them go and talk to her as well so that she's hearing from multiple people. Last thing, don't wait until the performance reviews and, and the money conversation to talk about it because the budgets may have been allocated already. So what you wanna do is set up that meeting with your boss in advance. So maybe six months before that, I'm going to Cheryl and saying, hi, Cheryl, you know, you've been such a tremendous support. I've loved being here at the company. Wanted you to know, I hope to make this my long-term home and I'd like to move into a spot for promotion. Tell me about the process and tell me how I can help you make the case for my promotion in six months. Lastly, okay, this is using one of my questions, right? From chapter six, tell me, it's the power question. Use it all the time. Now, if I do this and Cheryl repeatedly pushes me back, Cheryl, you look like a lovely person. I'm sure you would never do this, but let's say Cheryl repeatedly pushes me back. Well, guess what? Sometimes you have to go out and generate another offer in order to make people value you. It's a risky strategy by companies. I talked to the Wall Street Journal about this on numerous occasions because it's basically like being in a relationship, Shane, like you were talking about before, right? And then saying to somebody, well, you can feel free to date other people. Guess what? That person might get a better offer, right? And then it might be from somebody who valued them appropriately the first time around. If you keep getting pushed back and you're asking good questions like, what metrics do I need to hit? You know, what's the reason for the delay? When can we renew this conversation? And they keep saying later, later, later. It's time for you to pick your head up and look elsewhere and see if you can either generate another offer or leverage your company into giving you what you deserve. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, what you said about options, if you're negotiating or looking for a job, creating Creating those options like you talked about so brilliantly, Alex, options give you power. And uh, before we wrap up today's show uh, and I close this out, I want you to know that you can get access to Alex's course or a chance to win access to her course for free. If you follow Alex, Jane, and I on LinkedIn, there will be a raffle and we'll message you offline to get free access to Alex's course and also a copy of her book, uh, Ask for More, which is what we're talking about. But before we close it out today, I want to ask you one last thing, Alex. You have uh, speaking engagements, uh, teaching at Columbia. Uh, you're doing some awesome projects, I'm sure, in the works. Uh, what's next for you? Oh, man, Shane, that's a, that's a great question. So, 
you know, I, I will say, I want to be 100% honest. Um, this summer, I'm taking a little bit of time to rest and recharge. You know, a lot of us here on LinkedIn are super, you know, high achieving, hard driving people. We're always looking for the next brass ring, right, to grab. And I got to tell you guys that the whole reason I was able to write Ask for More is that I took some time off and I truly allowed my brain the liberty to kind of play and to think, right? So what's happening for me right now is a bit of rest so I can do that deep work. But I am starting work on uh, a new book that I hope to have more information about next year. I have um, been working on a number of courses that are on my website. You know, one of the things that I'm keenly aware of is access and equity. Not everybody grows up with negotiation skills taught to them at the dinner table or with the privilege to learn about this stuff. And a lot of the companies who work with me pay top dollar and it's folks who are behind those doors who get to hear me. So. You know, doing events like this, but also having low-priced courses where people can, you know, for, I mean, a, a couple of hundred bucks, get information that's going to help them make thousands of dollars more money is something that's really important to me. So I have all sorts of um, articles that I've been working on in the media that are available there, courses that are available there. And Anne-Marie and I also offer a suite of services around executive presence. So if you've been listening today and thinking, wow, Alex just feels really comfortable, you know, talking about herself and her work and talking in front of a crowd, this is something you can master too. And you don't have to be, you know, a middle-aged um, straight white guy um, who, you know, perhaps, you know, grew up learning this or getting reinforced for this. You can learn to negotiate and have excellent executive presence, no matter who you are, where you were born, you know, what you look like, what religion you are, what gender, what sexuality. Negotiation is for everybody. And if you are the kind of person who people trust and you're collaborative and you value relationships, congratulations, you can be an awesome negotiator. And I'd love to work with you to help you achieve that. You're, you're, you're spot on. You're so right. And you're not only uh, wise and have so much expertise, but also very inspirational and motivational. So thank you for sharing that, Alex. Your new book is coming out uh, next year or you're working towards that. I know a book is a labor of love. So we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. And um, we'll do our best to get it into as many people's hands, like you said, because these tools uh, can change lives. And so we'll keep an eye out for the book, the number of courses. But as we wrap up, we have a quick tradition at Deal Talk. I want to share with you three quotes that Alex said as we end today's show. She said, one, make your wins visible. I loved that. The second thing she said was that really stood out to me was questions shape our reality. That's really, really powerful. And then she really moved us when she said, a question to ask yourself before a negotiation is how have I successfully done this in the past? Alex Carter, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Everyone have a fantastic week. Have a blessed Tuesday and go ask for more. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Take care, everyone.